Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Jen Berkeley-Jackson. Jen is the owner of the Insight Advantage, a full-service research firm that helps organizations use customer insights to grow profits and market share. She works with companies to determine their research strategy and then to implement a variety of customer feedback tools like phone and online surveys, focus groups, market research, and one-on-one interviews. She has experience managing research projects in a multitude of industries, including high-tech, consulting services, medical equipment, pharmaceuticals, utilities, and more, and she also teaches the power of marketing research at University of California Santa Cruz Extension in Silicon Valley. So welcome, Jen. Thanks, Linda. Thanks for the great intro. So I know a lot of what you do are benchmarking surveys, and I'm not sure how many people out there who really understand what a benchmarking survey is and why it's so important. So let's start by telling me what actually is a benchmarking survey and why is it different from other surveys that a company might do? Sure. It's interesting because I've done lots of different kinds of surveys, and these seem to be getting more popular, more prevalent as a marketing tool. Some people call them benchmarking surveys. Some might call them best practices surveys. But what they are are surveys that are conducted to gather insights from a large number of people in a company's specific target market, and it helps them better understand the environment that their customers are working in, their pain points, the tools that they use, and thoughts about their future needs. Um, and usually those kinds of surveys are conducted by a company that markets some kind of products or services that are uh, applied to the target market. Um, and what makes it different is it's not about getting feedback or input, input for the company that's sponsoring the research. It's not getting product-focused input like product research and it's not promoted only to customers like a customer satisfaction research study would be. It's promoted beyond just the company's customer base, and so they're looking for input from customers and non-customers alike. It's equally valuable. So it's okay, so it's input from customers and non-customers. And when you go and you do these surveys, and I've done some of these myself, but do you find that you know in advance kind of who the right people are to talk to, or as you do the survey, does this you say, gee, we've talked to this one, that leads me to talk to someone else. How does the whole process evolve? So there would be um, a broad distribution of the survey and promotion for to get a large number of people. And the first few questions in the survey help qualify to make sure it's the right market. So if you're looking at, let's say, healthcare workers, for example, um, then there are a couple of questions at the beginning that would make sure and qualify those people. And if you're looking for people in a certain geography, there would be questions there also. And so what, why do, do companies do these? Because they're not getting direct feedback because they may be talking to customers uh, of their competitors or people who haven't bought anything yet. So what is the, the kind of the key benefit to doing a benchmarking survey or best practices survey like this? Yeah, it's important that the company does see benefit because it's, it's a lot of work to take one of these on. The ultimate reason that a company would do these is so they can establish themselves as thought leaders and show that they understand their target market better than any of their competitors do. It's what everybody wants, right? 
And um, the way they would do this is by using the results of the survey to generate content that nobody else has since it's their data. I've seen, yeah, so I've seen my clients generate marketing content plans that go for a full year based on the juicy stuff they get from their benchmarking surveys. So they could do webinars to not only review the results of the whole survey and have, you know, hundreds of people register for those, capture contact data, um, but also to drill deeper into specific areas of the survey and connect what they learn to what their company provides to address the needs that they saw in the survey. Um, there's also an endless source of tweets or other um, social media sharing around key statistics. So again, if you're doing a health worker survey, maybe X percent of healthcare workers are worried about job security. So that would just be one statistic that you gathered from the survey, and there are a lot of them. You can just um, you know drip that out to your social media places. And also you can generate interest via press releases, speaking gigs. I mean, it goes on and on. Lots of content gets generated. So it sounds like a great way to get content. What about from a competitive perspective? Do you find that there's things that companies learn from this that need to go back into the either the product marketing group or someone who's strategically looking at where they're going in the market? Are there things that perhaps insights that they may not have realized before? Well, sure. I mean, they could get information. Um, again, it's about differentiating oneself. So if I'm a company doing this, I could differentiate myself by arming my salespeople with materials that really show that they understand a certain segment of the market, um, certain needs of the market. So it's all, of, all of that information isn't just for content, but also to um, educate your salespeople and your marketers so they're communicating using the customer's terminologies which makes it much more effective than some terminology you invent inside and never check with your customers on. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So what kind of companies are most likely to do this? Do you have to be a large organization to do this, or can smaller or medium-sized companies benefit from this as well? Oh, yeah, any size of company. And, you know, most of the companies I work with are probably small to mid-size, and they're looking for a way to compete with the bigger guys uh, by doing some original research. The, the key is being able to go out and get a large amount of participants. So if you don't have a large customer base, then it would be all about spreading the news about your survey in other ways, social media, buying lists, um, getting sponsored placement with maybe key associations that speak to your target market, but um, definitely smaller organizations could use that as a tool. And this is definitely then, if it's a large number of respondents we're, re respondents we're looking for, then it's more of a quantitative survey versus um, qualitative. Do you see in these surveys, do you have opportunity for people to answer open-ended questions? Does qualitative input come in as well or not necessarily? Yeah, definitely. So it's mostly quantitative because um, the power of a benchmarking study is looking from year to year. So yep. the, the, the and, you know, focus would be your metrics and your qualitative, quantitative, but absolutely you want to embed some really meaningful open-ended questions in there too because the verbatims and using people's own words um, are the most interesting. So I did a recent benchmarking study for a company that does um, – uh, screening, job screening for candidates, mm -hmm. you know, for companies. Right. And one of the questions they asked is, what is the most unique excuse you heard for somebody flunking a, 
a drug test. And that was the most fascinating <laughs> source of verbatim, and it was the most entertaining part of the webinar that they did when they were promoting the results. Yeah, and, you know, there you go, and I bet you there's some really interesting things there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So if, if I was thinking of doing this for my company, what kind of advice would you give me? How do I even start to think about getting into something like this? Well, I think the first thing is that you really need to know where you're going before you start designing the survey so you can make sure you're asking the right questions to get you there. So you need to know what kinds of content you're interested in gathering, uh, know what kind of industries you're going to want to get deeper knowledge about so you can promote results there, maybe industries that you're trying to grow your customer base in or industries that you already know you have a sweet spot with. And also, uh, you want to know what your hunches are about key trends or pain points. All of those things can make sure that you're asking the right questions, you've got the right answer choices, um, that you don't get a lot of other write-in kinds of things. So that's the first thing. Know where you're going before you design the survey. Um, the second is to really promote the heck out of the survey to get the biggest number of respondents possible. We talked about that a little bit, but you really start to reap the benefits of the survey during the promotion time. So a company doing a survey like this, um, it, it, they're impressing their customers and potential customers both, showing that they're doing such large-scale, organized, professional research. Um, so even doing the survey, the fact that you're doing it and you're yeah. letting your customers and prospects know has an impact on kind of your image in their eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it just says a lot because, you know, not every company in the world is doing this right now, right. and it, does, it definitely is a differentiator. Um, and back to why you need a large number of respondents. First of all, having a lot of data lets you do some interesting segmentation of the data. Mm -hmm. You can look for trends in subgroups. So it could be by industry or geography, and that makes the data even more compelling to the target market because it really convinces them that you understand them and their unique needs. But the other one that's kind of more obvious, I guess, is having a large number of respondents helps you get more attention from the press. Having ah. thousands of responses is way more impressive than, and press-worthy than having a couple of hundred, right? Yep. Um, and then the last piece of advice is just to make sure and take a professional approach to the survey. Um, you want to make sure that you're making a great impression to your target market with a survey like this. So you want to make sure it's solid. Um, if you don't have an internal research team to help develop the survey and program it, you definitely want to get external resources. Unfortunately, with all the do-it-yourself tools out there, you know, everybody thinks they can write a survey. But this is a hefty one, and something of this magnitude requires a, a really solid approach. And you want to make, not only make sure that questions are written clearly and concisely so you get good data, and it holds up to scrutiny from the press maybe on asking about how you collected the data, but you also want to make sure that the right customer segments get the right questions. And ultimately, you want to make sure you don't frustrate people taking the survey. You don't want to have such a long survey that people tune out. They don't complete the whole survey. So part of that has to do with testing the length of it, um, tightening it up where possible, because every company's inaugural benchmarking survey tends to be kind of bloated. They try yeah. to ask everything. But you want to make sure that it's um, engaging and that people are completing the whole process. 
And how long does it take to do one of these? From the time that I said, Jen, I'm, I'm interested in doing this till I had the results back, how long does it usually take to do this? Uh, the big, the big uh, dependency is on how long it takes for the company to agree on the questions, right? Ah, um, yes. You know, I've seen that process take one to six weeks just to decide yep. on the survey content. Yeah. Um, but you know, after that piece, uh, usually would have the survey live about three to four weeks to give you enough time to promote it via social media. Um, you know, maybe get some paid placement, all those things we were talking about. Uh, make sure you have a banner on your homepage, by the way, to promote the survey to anybody that visits your site. But you'd have it live for about four weeks, and then it takes about two to three weeks to do analysis and presentation of the results. So within, presuming I don't take six weeks to get the questions right, <laughs> within less than yeah. two months I should have this yeah. results back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and then so it's, yeah. then the real work begins, right? Then your marketing team kicks in and starts uh, making hay out of it. So yeah, I would say within two months you can get the process done, get some good data, and then start marketing the results. Got it. We've been talking with Jen Berkeley Jackson, and we've been talking about benchmark surveys or best practices surveys. Anything you want to tell us, sort of, uh, you know, in, in terms of. One thing people should think about when, they, um, when they're doing this, obviously they want to be thinking about the right questions, et cetera, but any other pieces of advice? I just think that um, this is a strategic decision for a company because it kind of takes a village to make this happen. Yep. So I would, I would keep it in mind when you're thinking about your marketing strategy for a year and say, you know, if this is a piece that you're going to chew off, then make sure you've got the right resources internally not only to manage the development of the survey, but then to um, promote the data that you get. And it, it's, it's part of a full market strategy for the year. That's right. I mean, what, I think the worst thing you could do is do all this work, have a survey, and then not have a plan to use what you've got. So that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. So if people wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where would they go? Uh, that would be theinsightadvantage.com, and you'll find more information about all the different kinds of research I can help with and my contact information. Fantastic. Thank you. We've been chatting with Jen Berkeley Jackson, who is the owner of the Insight Advantage and also someone who is really taking benchmarking and best practices to another level. So thank you, Jen, for being with us. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Okay, this is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.